This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shay Norman and Tyler. Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate, Monday recap podcast. Coming to you on a Tuesday here, Tyler Rocky and Shay Norling. It's all presented by Twin Peaks. Don't forget, Shay, we will be out and about How would I this forget? week. Well, sometimes you forget things, I'm all right? It's forget. an appearance that something, this is something you would forget. But we're going to be out in DeKalb on Saturday for the show, 9 to 11 a.m. at Fatty's in DeKalb. Cannot wait. I've heard nothing but amazing things about this place. <laughs> I was just going to say to you, do you know how many people have come up to me and said, you guys are at Fatty's? That's the greatest. I, I tweeted it out last night promoting the appearance, and I, I got like five comments saying you have to try the potato salad. The potato salad is legit there. So, yeah, I've been hearing the same thing. I, I've heard nothing but amazing things, so I'm e- looking forward to it. Even Cap was like, I used to recruit there. I'd take kids there. It's the greatest. So that's the uh, that's the recruiting tool up at, at Northern for yeah. Northern basketball. That's his back in his divi- uh, level one violations days. <laughs> <laughs> Buying kids potato salad. That's how Kenny Battle became an NIU oh. Husky. <laughs> Going to fatties with Cap. Um, but yeah, come check us out. We will be doing the show there from nine to eleven. Looking forward to seeing all of you out there. And thanks to our friends over at Bud Light, we are going to be giving away an autograph. Bulls or Blackhawks jersey, and also tickets to the Bud Light Champions Club at the yeah. United Center for a Bulls or Blackhawks game. Pretty good. I don't so, know what it has to do with college football, but it's pretty it's, good. Yep, great prize. And so come on out to Fatties and DeKalb this Saturday, 9 to 11 a.m. Looking forward to seeing you all there. What a week we had in college football, Shay. We had the game of the year between Oregon and Washington, and that is where we need to start today. 36-33, Washington squeaks by Oregon thanks to a missed field goal at the horn. And there's so many different sort Surprise of tentacles. You're not dancing I, through this. I don't want to dance because you know what? I thought about a little bit through that game, texting you and being like, let's take off our sweatshirt bet because this is too good of a game to have a wager yeah. like that on. I bet you were thinking that at 33-28. I was, I was thinking that actually at <laughs> when it was a, was a 29-18. Or no, no, no. It was after Oregon scored to make it 29-26. Whatever. It was. I think it was 33-29. Yeah, too, but it, whatever. It, I, can we just plant the flag and, like, barring something incredible happening, that is the game of the year. That will be the game of the year. Well, there's, I, like That was amazing. There's two reasons why it's the game of the year there. It's because of the fact that it had so much hype leading into the game, and then not only did it deliver on the hype leading into the game, it exceeded that yeah. as well. You had drama, 69 points here in this game, but don't let that... Think, don't let that make you think there was no defense played in this game. There was plenty of defensive playmakers yeah. out there making plays. It was incredible shot-for-shot shot football, like two heavyweight boxers just eating punches. It like I texted you partway through the game, and I'm like, this is the college football version of Bill's Chiefs in that mm-hmm. divisional game when they both were just withstanding every punch, and whoever had the ball last would win. And that was kind of the case here. Like, Oregon, it's hard to say they lost the game. They get, Bo Nix drives them down the field right. and gets them a chance to tie it up, send it to overtime. I, Dude, I wanted overtime, not only for Oregon, but I wanted for, more of this football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, you want to see these teams from the 25s? Like, that's fun. I don't know 
if I can remember a game that I've watched in college football that I thought, like, wire to wire, first quarter to the end of the game, was played at this high of a level on both sides. And that's, like, Dan Lanning made a few mistakes, I thought. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I want to talk to you about some of the decision-making. The result of not kicking the field goal at the end of the first half ends up weighing here. If you kick the field goal, the game ends tied at 36. You don't kick the field goal, you lose out on the three points. What was worse was the compounding result of going forward on fourth down again and digging a deeper hole. Didn't end up mattering because you get the ball back and score and then score again and have a 33-29 lead. But then I think the final decision is... The wackiest Dan Lanning decision, which was to go for the fourth and three mm-hmm. at just across midfield, I get analytically it probably a go situation. If you get it, you win. The game's over. Right. The problem is the play call is rolling a right-handed quarterback left and asking him to spin like pirouette and deliver a ball downfield. And Michael Penix was hurt. Yes. Make injured Michael Penix drive 90 yards. And now that's not to say he wouldn't do it. Because he very no, well could have. because he came out <laughs> he, and threw two strikes two plays in, to Roma Dunze. 57 yards in 50 seconds or whatever it was. Like, there's no saying that Washington didn't couldn't go out and do it. But I'm, I'm with you. I, the, when you look at the three gophered on fourth downs that Dan Lanning put together in this game. 0 for 3, by the way. But the one at the end of the half, I'm fine with. Because I think you really could put a stranglehold on that game going into the half, yeah. knowing that you're getting the ball to start the second half. If you were kicking to Washington, I'm taking the points there and kicking the field goal. Right. But if you're getting the ball back and the way that your offense, I mean, leading into that drive, you had gone touchdown, touchdown, field goal. It, your team was moving, and you had just gotten a pick, too, leading into that drive as well. So right. everything about your team, you've got all the momentum. You could really put the clamps down there. You could have go- been going into the half 25-22, feeling really good about yourself. There. And then you get the ball, and maybe you go up 32-22, and then you're really in business. Mm-hmm. But it ended up, like, all of the missed fourth downs ended up digging a hole. Again, not to say Oregon played badly. Oregon put themselves in position to win this game. Bo Nix was incredible in the second mm-hmm. half. The fourth quarter going into that final drive, he was something like 14 of 15 in the fourth quarter. Hey, fuck your robe Bo Nix narratives. This guy came to play. Yeah. Tyler. He did not lose this game by any stretch of the imagination. The biggest takeaway I have from this game is I need both of these teams to either go undefeated the rest of the way or Washington suffer just one loss because this happened. Has to be a rematch. Yes. Championship weekend. Yes. Friday night, Allegiant Stadium, Washington, Oregon for the Pac 12 and a trip to the playoff. The like one as a and apparently Oregon fan that I've become this season. Oh, quack, quack. I've got a lot of teams. I got Oregon, I got Oklahoma. I like O's. <laughs> uh just I think it's easier to win the rematch than the first game. So for me, that works. And two, I want to watch these two teams play again. Yes, as a even without picking a side on this, uh, you've got a, a vested interest in Oregon because that you've adopted them. I've got a vested interest in Washington because of uh, some betting tickets that I have. But I want to see this again because I don't think USC, Oregon State. 
uh, Utah can put this type of game together with the, one of these opponents. The physicality that both lines showed Those up Those teams front, were flying on defense. Like I saw, I think it was Albert Breer tweeting it, in the game, something about just tuning in. And Breer's an NFL guy. He doesn't watch a ton of college football. He watches Ohio State because he went there. But he's like, I'm checking in on Oregon, Washington. Both these teams are fast. I don't know how physical they are. Could they match up with the best of the SEC or the Big Ten? Who knows? But they're flying. And I'm like, Albert, if you've watched them enough, these teams are matching up with anybody in the country. Mm -hmm. These teams are strong as hell up front, both sides of the football. Oregon's secondary, I mean, I know that they're on islands against some of the best receivers in America, but they were fantastic. Yeah. In large parts of this game, like the pick off of Bo Nix, I think Adunze fell down. But off of Penix. Off of, yeah, yeah. Off Penix. Yeah. And yeah, I think Adunze fell down. You got the interception. But for the most part, I mean, it was blanket coverage. 15, the defensive back, Oregon, his name escapes me, was fire blanket Even on the outside. Even some, some of the catches that Adunze made or were Polk made. They were 50-50. I mean, he was going up and high point. He was making NFL-level plays. Like yeah. He showed why he's a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. That was two teams with a ton of NFL talent. In a Pac-12 that this swan song just keeps getting better. Like that, I just want to watch that game again. That was the offensive version of Ohio State-Notre Dame. So many yeah. pros on the field, yep. and you just saw them go to work. Yeah, that because Ohio State-Notre Dame, a defensive war between two really well-coordinated defenses with a ton of NFL talent. And this game... I mean, they, this was Sunday on Saturday. That's this, what it was. This was like, it felt like an NFL game. It mm-hmm. felt like a high level NFL game. Because yes. this past Sunday was dog shit. This past yeah. Sunday felt like Big Ten football. Like, this was incredible. I, I just, this Oregon Washington game, I, I could talk about for hours. I was so excited watching it. The, and, like, what are the highest level college football games you can really remember? Because for me, I have a hard time thinking of one that gets to the level this game was at. Yeah, I mean, from a regular season standpoint, I'm trying to think through. Um, I don't know if I, I can't think of one that was... Like, obviously, you see games played with higher point totals than this. Right. But it's because there is a major defensive flaw. Right. And, like, there's occasional, like, the Iron Bowl, the kick six. Mm-hmm. But that's Those a, are more thrilling. That's a college thing. That's a thrilling ending. The same thing with the Hail Mary the against Georgia, Auburn, Georgia. And those the have ball thrilling tips, moments. And you get the catch. Like, those are college moments. Mm-hmm. This, this, this has no college moments. 60 moment. minutes of pure... High level football. There were no college kid mistakes. There were no, it was just like coaching mistakes, sure, but those will happen. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was just incredible football. And I'm dying for a rematch. Yes, I'm neither right of these you. teams can fuck up because we, we as an American people, <laughs> are owed this game in the Pac-12 title. I, I've got a question for you, stemming off of that too. Can both of these teams get into the playoff? No, I don't think so. A one loss Pac-12 champion, Oregon. And a Washington team that runs the table up until that Pac-12 And then you have a one, so you have one loss Oregon Pac-12 champ, one loss Washington. They split with each other. Mm-hmm. We can get the matrix out and like the it, it, look. We'll, okay, here we'll give out our, our top six. But like, here's what I'll say: Georgia is down Brock Bowers yes. for the remainder of the regular season. I don't know how you feel about it. I'll ask. For me, they're dead. Down Brock Bowers. I think your season's over. I'm sorry. Like. I get they've got Lab McConkey. I know they have the incredible offensive line. I know people think highly of Carson Beck. Brock Bowers is Georgia's best player on offense by a country fucking mile. You lose Brock Bowers. I, 
Apologies to Jonathan Hood. I, th- I believe they go to Knoxville at yes, Tennessee. Penultimate you've, game of the year. You've got to survive a uh, SEC championship game well, that's looking thing. more and more like it's going to be Alabama. Like, to me, if they don't have Brock Bowers in an SEC title, they're done. Here's where I'm looking at this here. You're going to go up against some really talented offensive teams down the stretch. Can this Georgia team win a shootout if it needs to without Brock Bowers? And I don't think they can. Like, I, I was looking at the odds, too, on, on FanDuel earlier. I believe Georgia, their win total right now is 11.5, unchanged from the, the preseason. Under is only, like, minus 135. You're giving me minus 135 odds that they There's, slip up once the rest of the regular their season. Their total now is the under on 11.5 as the juice. Look at the rest of that schedule. Like, I can't see it from here, but read if, off the rest of so it. So you're home against Florida off of a, a bye then you've got Mizzou at home. You've got Ole Miss at home. You're at Tennessee and at Georgia Tech. See, like, to me, I would think the fact that the under is now juiced 135, they're kind of telling you one of those games is going to be a loss. Like, think about it this way. And this goes back to the conversation about Oregon and Washington both getting in. If Georgia doesn't have Brock Bowers against Auburn, they lose the game. You could probably say the same about South Carolina, too. Straight up. You don't have Brock Bowers for South Carolina, and you don't have Brock Bowers for Auburn. You lose those games. The Kentucky win? Well, Kentucky went to Mizzou and got fucking flattened. So we can look at that a little differently now. I was impressed when it happened, Mm -hmm. but the 52, what is it, 52-14? 51-13. Doesn't stand out quite as good when Kentucky then goes to Mizzou and gets fucking destroyed. Like, I'm at a point with Georgia without Brock Bowers. I don't know that they guarantee a win in the SEC. Saban looks like Alabama's coming for you. I know they dodged a bullet with Arkansas, but one loss Alabama, the rest of the schedule's sort of favorable. Is there a world where Alabama gets into the playoff? That's something we're going to have to live in. If if the Alabama loss against Texas dings them enough and the Washington-Oregon resumes are so good... Can I work out a matrix where, like, Texas, Oklahoma, and Florida State, like, two of the three all get shut out? I'm trying to think through this here. So, like, I think it all kind of stems from Georgia. Like, a 12-1 and SEC runner-up Georgia. Let's say they do run the rest of the table in the regular season, but lose in the SEC championship game to either LSU or Bama. Here's the problem Is Washington... There. A a twelve and one Pac twelve runner up Washington ahead of Georgia. You would think yes because they'll have the better resume. Mm-hmm. Like Georgia will have lost the only really high quality game they'll play if that's the world we live in. Like, I just don't. I think that you'll see the the bias come in at that point. Well, the that, the trump card of we've won the last two national championships. I wasn't even going to make that point. The point I was going to make is the committee would know you'd have Brock Bowers back for a playoff. That's fair. And they like they would look at and evaluate Georgia with Brock Bowers as better than whatever the Pac-12 runner-up looks like. You kind of need Georgia to lose a regular season game and not just the national title game. Well, but need- this, the the broader point is: is there a matrix that we could map out where both Oregon and Washington get in? Sure, and I'd love it. But you need Big Ten cannibalization. You need the round robin. Everybody's got to lose one. Mm-hmm. Yep. You you need which I, could happen. You probably need Texas to beat Oklahoma. 
Mm-hmm. It, I would take in a kind of grimy Big Twelve title game. I don't even know if it has to be grimy. I think a, a twelve and one Oregon and twelve and one Washington. Those are better resumes than whatever happens. Than whatever in the Big happens. 12. In, yeah, probably. And then you'd need. Um, I guess that's about it because you could get Florida State in, the mm-hmm. Big Ten champ in, and then the two Pac-12 teams. Again, this all rests on Georgia losing once, if not more, and Bama losing at LSU. least one more time. Yeah. If those two things happen, then, yeah, we can live in a world where two Pac-12 teams get in, particularly those two, because as good as the Pac-12 is, nobody else is getting into the playoff in that conference. USC's right. done. Uh, Utah's going to re- medical redshirt Cam Rising. It's starting to sound like they're done. Mm-hmm. Oregon State, like, let the overachieving good team but Mm -hmm. playoff probably not ucla what a disaster they had in uh corvallis over the weekend so as good as the conference is it is oregon and washington playing for the playoff there um yeah i could live in a world where both of them get in it just rests on like the only reason we can even have this conversation is because brock bowers is out if brock bowers is in george is going to go undefeated I still think there's a world where Georgia could have lost a game in the regular season, even with Brock Bowers. Maybe. For my money, Brock Bowers is the best player in college football right now. So, like, losing him is incredibly meaningful, specifically for that team. Carson Beck has loved him as a safety valve. Yeah. Carson Beck's not been great this year, but when he's throwing to Brock Bowers, you'd think he's the best quarterback in football. Mm -hmm. So, you know, losing Bowers hurts, and I think that's where we can get a little funky with how this all plays out. What about your adopted squad, North Carolina? Can they get into the playoffs? I mean, the only way they get in, there's one path for North Carolina. It is winning the being an undefeated ACC champion. It's the only path in. Yeah. We all know that. And they've got a tough route because they, they're going to play Duke, assume, with healthy Riley Leonard. You've got NC State. You've got Clemson. And then you've got a Pac-12 or an ACC title game with Florida State. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that has to play out. Should we just get into our top six here? Yeah, let's what, do it. What the playoff looks like? Mm-hmm. All right. So if you were, if the season were to end today, because the, the playoff, two weeks from today, we're going to have our first playoff rankings. All right. So exciting. It, it, Finally, it, rankings that actually matter. Right. It, it, it's such a shame that this stuff doesn't come out. It should start at the beginning of conference play. It really at the beginning of like every team's playing conference games play. So what's that like week four? Um, that's where it really should start. But if you're going to go through your top six right now, because the, the, those are the teams that for the most part really do matter. If you're ranking it today. Not, I'm not saying project out to the end of the year, how everything's going to shake out, what's going to happen with Georgia, what's going to happen in the Big Ten round robin, all that stuff. If you were to rank your sit, top six today, how are you doing it? All right. If I'm you wanna ranking... Ca- you want to count them down from six to one? We'll each go? Yeah, go one ahead. You one. start with six. All right. My number six team, I've got Oklahoma right now. They've got the big win against Texas. I don't think it's enough quite yet to catapult them into the conversation of a true playoff team, but they're knocking on the door right now. My six is Ohio State. Okay. Unimpressed with what they've put together so far. They've got the big test, Penn State, at the shoe this weekend. Uh, The Notre Dame win looks a little worse than it did in the moment. You get credit for a big moment on the road, hostile environment, needing a drive to come back and win that game. But I'm knocking them down a peg because they just look like shit. They, they just haven't played a good game yet, so they get knocked down a peg. All right. Um, my five, that's where I have Ohio State. I think they're starting to find their rhythm a little bit. And, and I know Purdue sucks, right? They blasted But they Purdue. crushed them with no running backs. 
also with no Emeka Ebeka either. Like for me, I, I, I like I like Ohio State at five. I think they're starting to find a little bit of something. I have Penn State at five. So my outside looking in five six okay. happens this weekend, mm-hmm. and that'll and then, be the decision point yeah. for me. Penn State, Ohio State. One of you is eliminated this weekend. Very exciting stuff. <laughs> All right, my number four, I'm going to go Florida State at four. Undefeated team at four. They've got the win against um, they've got the win against uh, Clemson this year. They've got the win against LSU as well. Neither, I would say they're, lo- they're wins that haven't aged as well as they would have liked, but there's nothing they can do about that. So uh, I put them at four right now because they've done enough. I'm glad you said it because for whatever reason, I'd forgotten about them. I had Oklahoma fourth originally because mm-hmm. of the Texas win. I'm okay dropping Oklahoma from fourth to actually seventh behind Penn State and Ohio State okay. because those two will work themselves out, and then we'll see what Oklahoma does. They play nobody until the Big 12 championship. I'm fine with it. Uh, I'll do Florida State fourth as well. Okay, Florida State at four, and then I think three, two, one, we will be in lockstep here. I'm going Washington. Georgia, Michigan. I'm Georgia three. Okay. Washington two. I think there's no, after the Oregon win, there's no way that you can tell me Georgia has a better reputation or resume than Washington has right now. And Washington's offense is so miles ahead of virtually everybody in in college football. Washington to me is number two and Michigan is number one. Uh, Michigan, I get they haven't played anybody, but how you play matters, and they are fucking crushing everyone. I mean, it is it is every single week. It's JV versus varsity. If you want to be number one while playing nobody, that's how it's got to look. 52-10 to 10 at Minnesota, and then you go and drop a 50-burger on Indiana. In a game where in the first quarter they just looked like they had no life, and they end up winning by... 50 again in conference games like you haven't allowed a team to have more than two scoring drives against you in a game all season long right it's they've given up no more than one touchdown in every game that they've played and that's the impressive thing is a lot of times in games like this you'll see a team let go of the rope at the end like they'll get to 14 17 whatever yeah no not against this team Their foot is on the gas with the second and third stringers. That's the most impressive thing. The second string defense is still a juggernaut. Like they bring the, what's the fucking kid's name? The new, the backup quarterback. They bring that kid in. I'm not going to lie. I don't even know who it is because I've stopped watching. I, quite frankly, I have rarely watched much more than a quarter of Michigan football this year. Their second halves have been unreal. And it's like JJ McCarthy plays a half the third quarter. And all of a sudden, you've got what's his fucking nuts in there, and he's handed the ball. Jack Tuttle up. and Jaden J- Denegal. Jack Tuttle's the one they've been going to the most. You get Tuttle in there; they they're running the ball all over you with their twos. Like this team is so well built for what they want to do. The concern remains what it has always been: when you get into a hell game against a team that is as talented as you. And they throw you into a passing script, and you can't just hammer the ball. Are you able to stand up? Can J.J. McCarthy live in those big moments? He's looked great this year, but it's the same story as every year. He looks great against the shitty teams, builds up the numbers, stays behind the Heisman pack statistically, and then we hear about... J.J. McCarthy, time for a big moment. Well, it happened with Ohio State last year because Jim Knowles lost his mind and zero blitzed every single play. You've got 
uh, uh, the receiver. Roman Wilson was there, mm-hmm. but the other Romeo, what the fuck was the kid's name? He's in the NFL now. Um, oh, he plays for the Packers now. I want to say uh, no, that's Jaden or Jaden Reed. Reed. That's Michigan State. Um, I'll look. What it up the for fuck you. was yeah. this kid's name? I'm do I'm, I'm having senior moments left and right today. Um, but Roman Wilson was there. You've got guys running 20 yards free because Jim Knowles can't adjust his defensive game plan like that. Ronnie Bell. Ronnie, Ronnie Bell. Bell. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, good moment for him against Ohio State, but then we saw it. TCU jumps you a little bit early, and J.J. McCarthy in a passing script, two pick sixes, the fumble on the goal line. That's still the worry for me when you get into the playoff, but expectation for Michigan should be getting into the playoff and contending for a national title. Yeah, I And mean, right now, there's no argument. They're the best team in the country. Yes, no doubt about that. And it, it's weird that you're still seeing as much Georgia love in the polls as we are right now. I mean, Washington got a little bit of a bump with uh, a, an extra first-place vote this week. Um, Michigan, I think, gained a few as well. Georgia lost a few, but still, the, the 43 16 2 one one it doesn't feel yeah. right with this Michigan or with this Georgia love. How hard is it for uh, Oklahoma and Penn State? Oklahoma bye week, Penn State all they do is win sixty two to nothing against UMass, and you both fall a spot because Washington. Rough life in the AP poll. It, I mean, don't yeah, come but easy. like, let's be I, honest. I, I think the biggest argue it. the biggest loser in all of it is Oregon. I don't think Oregon deserved to drop a single spot after that game. No, I, I agree completely. And again, like, Oregon. In fact. I would be more okay if they went up a spot or two after that game because of kicker air on the road. Yeah, and and again, their their fate is in their hands. They're going to have the opportunity to take care of business in the Pac-12 and stage a rematch with Washington and set themselves up to go to the playoff. It's just those two teams got to take care of business. If this Pac-12 cannibalizes itself and I don't get to see one of those two in the playoff, I'm going to be very upset. Those are two of the six best teams in football right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that one of them, barring injury to a quarterback or a major piece down the road, I have a hard time believing that one of those teams does not end up in the playoff. Agree. Uh, We have... Some movement in the Heisman market yes. that's going to relate to the other games that we want to get to in this. Uh, if you listened last week, you're welcome. Somebody told you, go bet Dylan Gabriel. 12 to one's a ridiculous number. This is only going to get better. After a week where Dylan Gabriel didn't even fucking play, he moved from seventh to second. Mm-hmm. And 12 to one, what's he looking at? He's it? nine to one now on FanDuel. There you go. I bought you $3. And I got you a kid who moved from seventh in the Heisman odds to second in a week where he didn't even fucking play. You're welcome. Uh, we want to go through a little bit of the Heisman matrix. Yeah, because I've got a little out, dilemma here. Figure out who is the likeliest Heisman winner and what's the best mm-hmm. thing to do with the Heisman odds. I have a path. I've given it to you. Mm-hmm. Let's hash this out. All right, so let's just start with the odds right now of what we're looking at. Michael Penix is minus 140. For what it's worth, and this is someone, Ridiculous number. With someone with a Michael Penix preseason Heisman ticket, a minus in front of anyone's name right now is ludicrous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So he is minus 140 by... Miles, the favorite right now to win the Heisman. And I will tell you, and this is not like I hate doing this, but I spoke to somebody who works in sports betting with a prominent sports book, does like risk analysis and trading, 
and I can just say comfortably, Michael Penix minus 140 is viewed in the industry as a ridiculous number. Just a massive overcorrection can never be minus 140. Mm-hmm. Now, he does have the the best Heisman moment so far, I think, of anyone in, in leading that sure. touchdown drive against uh, Oregon. I think that trumps what Gabriel did against Texas, but just slightly. That Not is, minus 140 to 900. That is... He's clearly the likeliest to win it if Washington wins out or wins the Pac-12 even with a loss. He's clearly the likeliest, and we can't let you bet plus money on it anymore. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It doesn't mean he's actually minus 140 likely to win it. It's just the books got to protect themselves. Yeah. All right. So then Dylan Gabriel in second at 9-1. to J.J. McCarthy at 12-1. to Jaden Daniels also at 12-1 to as well. He's put up some gaudy numbers so far, but... Uh, I don't think he's going to have the team to get him to the Heisman. Yeah, two losses already. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make the playoff. Could you win the SEC? Maybe, but you're also not going to break records. I don't think Jaden Daniels has a shot at winning the Heisman. Jordan Travis and Drake May each at 16 to 1. Two very interesting names. Carson Beck at 25 to 1. Fuck off. Now, these are the two values on the board. Yep. Bo Nix and Caleb Williams each at 30 to 1. Caleb Williams. Played the worst game of his college career last week. All right, I fully under I fully understand that his team is effectively eliminated from the playoff after that loss to Notre Dame. But to go from being what was he plus three forty last week, yeah, to plus three thousand the week after yep. because of one bad performance. Meanwhile, he still has some of the best numbers in terms of passing in all of college football. Second in touchdowns, I think, behind Shadur Sanders. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then he's got the yard. Who has no shot at winning the award? I I just, I want to say that. Shador Sanders, uh, I I don't even see him. He is right now 500 to 1. So good luck to you if you place that ticket right now. Um, But Caleb Williams at 30 to 1. Bo Nix at 30 to 1. Bo has a real chance at going to the playoff. Caleb's is effectively dashed. However, if USC wins the Pac 12, Caleb Williams is your Heisman winner. Here's the thing about USC's playoff chances. And here's why this is important. I said this last week, but if you missed it, Tyler, you know, the only two Heisman winners in the playoff era to not make the playoff were Caleb last year. He was on the doorstep. He played in a Pac-12 title. He played really well in the game, and his defense couldn't tackle anybody, so Utah won. And Lamar Jackson at Louisville, who broke literally every record that existed for quarterbacks. Like, it took that special of a season Mm -hmm. for the Heisman to go to a guy who wasn't on a playoff team. Making the playoff is about the best indicator of whether you have a quarterback who can win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Just is. So, USC can make the playoff, but... They get Utah this weekend. They're a touchdown favorite, likely to win that game. Cal the week after. And then the gauntlet Mm -hmm. of Washington at Oregon and and UCLA back in L.A. At Oregon, no shot. Mm -hmm. Like, you're telling me that I've got to wager Caleb Williams Heisman when I can look at the board and safely say he will be a dog in at least one, if not two games the rest of the year? I think definitely two. I'm out. Like, if you think Washington's going to be favored to beat USC, meaning they will likely win the game, and you think Oregon, not an issue of think here, 
Oregon will be favored at home over USC. Maybe even by like a touchdown. Yeah, like by at least five. Like that, if you're betting Caleb Williams, you're banking on him winning two upsets against the two teams we just watched look like two of the six best in college football. Now, we'll say this. Caleb Williams, like it. You're if getting he, a if great he runs, number. If he runs the table here, he's winning the Heisman. Absolutely. And, and I think I, I 30 would, to 1 is better than if you were to parlay all five. I guess it would be technically six games together. I don't know if he even has to win the Pac 12, he has to make the game. If the if yep. they make the game with one loss, he's winning. I don't think it matters if they win that game. I think is if he can run the table of Washington, Oregon, UCLA, Cal, and Utah, he wins the Heisman Trophy. By the way, quick little side note on uh, that Washington USC game. So my brother, he lives in Seattle. He was very close to going to Oregon, Washington, and is kicking himself as a result. He said the get-in price was through the roof. So yeah. he, he decided, ah, I'm not going to do it. Then he, he's pissed at himself after. But he's pulling the Taylor Swift method here. He instead is going to fly down from Seattle to L.A. to go to Washington, U.S.C. instead because it's cheaper. Pretty to, good. To, to fly down to L.A., spend a, a day in L.A., get the ticket with the flight and everything. It's cheaper to do that than it was to get into Washington, Oregon. Honestly, not bad. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good game. And for as great as the Washington versus Oregon game was, I think for the the dollar figures, I'd probably rather spend my money to see Caleb Williams yeah. and Michael Penix. Being able to say say that you saw Caleb Williams in college is yeah. going to be a cool thing to be able to say. That I like that. Uh, and back to the Heisman mm-hmm. conversation. I think it's a good number on Caleb. Just understand you are basically betting that USC will win two games where they're going to be, one, a home dog, and two, probably a pretty large dog at Oregon, one of the most difficult places in America. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you don't make the bet. I will offer you my hedge, Mm -hmm. which is Bo Nix. Yeah. Because, look, we've talked about it a little bit at the top of the show. Bo Nix right now at 30-1. to That's a guy who went on the road. We just saw a fourth quarter in Seattle, another one of the most hostile environments in the country. A fourth quarter where he went 14-15, 15-16, was phenomenal for his team. Kept them in the game, running for first downs, creating plays. He was excellent. And now Oregon's in a spot where the rest of the season – they're going to be favored in every game that they play and are very likely to get a shot at Washington again when they uh, play in the Pac-12 title game. Like, Wazoo goes to Oregon in two weeks, or next week. Mm-hmm. That's a win. Wazoo, the, yeah. the wheels have come off. Yes. The season's over. That's a win for Oregon. They're 20-point favorites. You're going to go to Utah, where in all likelihood, Cam Rising will have a medical red shirt, and you have a defense that's at least as good, if not better, than Utah's defense. They will be a road I'll say favorite. This. Watching they will that, win. that Oregon-Washington game, Oregon's got the best defense I've seen this year. Yeah, they're incredible. And like, so Oregon. Oregon and Notre Dame are probably like step by step. Oregon at Utah with a medical red shirt, Cam Rising. Elevation plays a factor. Oregon maybe doesn't blow them out. I'd be stunned if they lost. Then you get Cal, you host USC in a second Heisman moment opportunity for Knicks. Arizona State, and then obviously the Civil War, Oregon, Oregon State, but it's at Autzen. So for me, I feel like 
Bo Nix winning out gets you just as far as Caleb winning out, except more likely he gets to the Pac-12 title game where he'll rematch a team he already almost beat, have a better chance at them. And if Bo Nix wins out, you're talking about him as the automatic Heisman Trophy winner because he will have to off Michael Penix. Right. Like, that's where I think Bo Nix gets valuable at 30 to 1 if you're holding Dylan Gabriel because... Again, I fucking told you so. Dylan Gabriel, they're a 19-point favorite against UCF. They don't play a single-ranked team the rest of the season. They're going to be 20-point favorites, if not more, in every game. Nobody defenses in the Big 12 rack up five touchdown performances. Like, Dylan Gabriel's going to waltz to 12-0 and in the uh, Big 12 title game where he'll get a shot to slay the dragon in Quinn Ewers in Texas again. And if he does that and Oklahoma goes to the playoff, welcome to the Heisman Trophy, Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, Like right now today, I know Michael Penix is the favorite. If you ask me who the likeliest Heisman winner is, it's Dylan Gabriel. So I'm sitting on both Penix and Gabriel. It's right a good now. place it's to a be. Good place to be, no doubt about that. And I'm trying to think of the other ways to sort of hedge around it because I'm not going to cash out or anything like that. But like to work around it here, I'm thinking Bo Nix is probably the only place I would have to put money. The one way that you get fucked, but you and I have a built-in hedge because we were Florida State respecters. The one way you get fucked is Florida State wins out and Jordan Travis puts up good performances. But here's the thing. Jordan Travis is starting to get to the point now where Keon Coleman is doing way yeah. too much highlight reel shit. Yeah. And you're starting to see a little bit of the shine come off of Jordan Travis because he has, like, I, I watched that Syracuse game. For as great as he was, he still missed a number of passes yeah. that he should have hit. And he's got Johnny and, Wilson. He's got Keon Coleman. Mm-hmm. This incredible but supporting Keon Coleman's cast. making catches like we saw this Saturday, yep. which is maybe the catch of the year that we've seen in not just incredible. college football, but all of football this incredible. year. He's starting to make enough plays like that where, all right, he may pull away from... From some of Jordan Travis's Heisman love. Is it that catch? And was it was it Ricky Pearsall made the catch for Florida? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, yeah, the yeah. other amazing catch that I've seen yeah. this year. Alec Pierce also for the Colts made a, a catch very similar to Keon Coleman's, but yeah. he wasn't getting drilled in the process. What about the Stanford kid? What's his fucking name? Oh, Hawkin Travis Hunter, the yeah. catch on the mm-hmm. back of the yeah, helmet. Yeah, yeah, in uh, the, was it double overtime or yeah. the first overtime there? Boy, yeah. we talked about it on the Saturday show, but Travis Hunter was getting fucking cooked. Yes. Tra- was- Travis Hunter was getting burnt by Stanford receivers. Not great. Mm-hmm. Um, just to put a bow on the Heisman conversation, the way we really get fucked is J.J. McCarthy. But really, I think Drake May has a better chance than JJ. I agree, but I think voters will vote for the Michigan quarterback more quickly than they'll vote for the North Carolina quarterback. But what happens if Michigan plays Ohio State and Penn State and these are like 21 to 13 games games. and like 17, 13 games. I think there's a chance of that happening. And I also think the inverse could happen where Michigan just fucking rolls both teams. But but if they roll both teams, it's going to be a lot of running the ball. And J.J. McCarthy having 18 attempts in his two Mm -hmm. biggest games, that ain't going to fly for Heisman people. My big worry with J.J., I don't think he's likely to win the award on his own. I don't. I don't think there's really anything that he could do the rest of the season that would trump Gabriel or Penix or Knicks or Caleb or Jordan Travis or Drake May on a resume basis. 
I do think all of those teams could lose a game and Michigan could not. And on the virtue of being the quarterback of an undefeated Michigan Wolverines team that goes to the playoff, well, congrats. Nobody ran away with the Heisman Trophy, so you get it. I still think that even with one loss, uh, with certain one-loss teams, I'd still take the numbers of the quarterbacks. It depends on how everybody performs. Like right now, Penix is kind of running away, but then you look statistically, and he doesn't lead in virtually any passing category. He's just in this amazing offense playing halves instead of full games. Mm -hmm. But that's the same thing with McCarthy, and McCarthy's miles behind. Like when I look at J.J. McCarthy, what did you say, 10 to 1? 12 to, uh, 1. 12 to 1 right now. You are paying an enormous tax for the winged helmet. Yeah. Like the it's, only reason the price is that way is because of the block M and the really winged helmet. He should be in like, like honestly, he should be no different than Carson Beck right now. Correct. And, and he's throwing 18 passes a game. No disrespect. He's been great this year. Mm-hmm. They're the best team in America. He's just, it's not Heisman numbers. It's no. just not. You're right. paying a massive tax on the winged helmet. He's doing his job as well as you could ask him to. He's a game right manager. Now. It's right. fine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's honestly, it's very similar to what Brock Purdy is doing with the Niners. Like, Brock Purdy isn't going to win the NFL MVP. But boy, has he mastered what he's asked to do. Yeah. And that's exactly what J.J. McCarthy is right now for Michigan. Yep. And he's having a great season. I just don't think it's a Heisman season. But right. that's I do think that's where we get fucked if other people do his dirty work and you end up with nobody running away with it. Then J.J. can win the award. Yeah. All right, let's get to that USC and Notre Dame game because I want to talk about this from the Caleb Williams standpoint because I think we do need to have the conversation about, I mean, Chicago Bears are lining up 1-2 right now. Yeah. And a lot of people maybe are hopping off of the Caleb bandwagon in the Chicago area because – a, he played against Notre Dame. Uh, we saw how many USC and Notre Dame fans were out and about on yep. Saturday here in Chicago. There is intrigue right now with this, these picks and with everything going on right now and the ability to potentially get Caleb Williams. So looking at what you saw from Caleb, obviously it was a disaster in South Bend. But I'm not moving off of him no, of as not. the number one overall pick and as some sort of generational talent. Like Guys have bad games. Shit happens. Uh, I'm still in on Caleb Williams as the next quarterback of the Chicago Bears, if given the opportunity to select him. Part of what's happened locally in Chicago is people watched their first Caleb Williams game, and it was Mm -hmm. bad. And, like, if you go and watch other Caleb Williams games, you'll probably think of Caleb Williams differently than you are today. He's fantastic. And there is nothing that he could do that will change him being the number one pick in the draft. That's, mm-hmm. It's just going to be that. Yes, He's going number one. The Bears will take him if he's there, and they have the pick. Done. Like, there's nothing he could... Was it a horrible performance? Yeah. Was it absolutely bizarre because USC's defense played the best three quarters they've played all year, and Caleb played the worst half he's played in his life? Mm-hmm. That's the complete opposite of the typical story with USC. Uh, but what they ended up giving up, what, 48 to Notre Dame? 48, yeah. But if you look at, like, Notre Dame had touched, like, 48, but actually USC's defense played phenomenal in this yeah, game. Yeah, well, there was a lot of short field right. situations. Like, the first half, uh, Notre Dame, what was it, 24-3 to at the end of the first half? And it was... 24-3 to with touchdown drives of 12 yards, yep. um, 2 yards, 
and 50 yards. And it was literally... Touchdown drives, not field goal drives, touchdown drives. Notre Dame, without the help of Caleb Williams, generated three points in the first half. Like, the sudden change turnovers, that was the only way they were scoring, and two of those drives started inside the 10. Mm -hmm. So, I would just say, like, USC's fucked for me because I think it's way more unlikely their defense is going to play as well as they did on Saturday than it is Caleb Williams will play as poorly as he did. Like, Caleb's going to play good games the rest of the year. The defense is never going to have a game like that again. Unless Alex Grinch has morphed into a totally different person in the past week and a half, they will not have a game that good again. And Notre Dame's offense honestly ain't great. Hartman makes a few good throws. You've got Estime like, back there. They fly. But look Hartman at Hartman threw the ball 20 times in this game. Estime, I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but I'd imagine that's his fewest yards per carry this and, year at 4.3. But if you go back and like watch Notre Dame, part of it, and I don't want to spend a lot of time because Notre Dame, I know, won the game. Congrats, Irish. Their season is still over. They're not playing for anything other than a New Year's Six date with the Rose Bowl that doesn't matter anymore and half your kids aren't going to play. Like, my thing is, their offense, if you look back, the Ohio State game, water was shut off. If you go to the Duke game, Duke shut the water off. Louisville shut the water off. Like, I don't want to overreact to what USC's defense did here because maybe Notre Dame's just not that good offensively. And so I'll just, like, USC's defense I don't believe in. Caleb's going to play better than he did, but this team as a whole is dead to me. They are not running the gauntlet in the Pac-12. We've been on that for weeks. Mm -hmm. It was just a matter of time before that bubble popped. And and this was finally the situation where it occurred. Arizona gave them a run. Arizona very well could have won that game against USC. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Colorado I don't think was as close as the final score indicated, but... Uh, one possession game at the end of the day there. And you give up 41, you give up 41. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I get it was 48-21. You probably went prevent, but you gave up 41 points to Colorado. Colorado mm-hmm. lost to Stanford. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I just, this USC team, my takeaway from it was what I expected to happen. They're dead. They don't have a Pac-12 loss yet. That's huge for their odds going forward in the Pac-12. But technically ahead of Oregon, I don't think they're going to technically ahead of Oregon, unless you count what I will say will be a loss when USC goes to Austin. Mm -hmm. So, no, I think USC's done. And we saw it on on Saturday night. All right. Any last games that you want to get to before we get out of here? Why don't you touch a little bit on North Carolina, your pet team, Miami? Mm -hmm. I had a very large opinion. I'm just going to say this for Miami. Goal line fumble. Fuck you. Head coach lets the assistant coach run onto the field and start screaming at people and take a 15-yard penalty. Fuck you. Like, I told you when I bet Miami, I feel like they're the better team, but I have to understand I could be swallowing a coaching bullet. And boy, did I dine on that bullet. Yes. I mean, like, Miami's dead. They, they died the Hail Mary on that Georgia Tech play. I mean, Tyler, the the second possession for North Carolina, Drake May gift wraps a pick six. They have a fucking defensive back run in front of the ball and swat it and then start celebrating his pass breakup while his teammates behind him going, what the fuck? It was handmade pick six. 
and this asshole runs in front of his own teammate and swats the ball out of the air. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I got to watch the the running back fumble the ball on his way into the end zone, recovered by North Carolina and taken out. Then I got to watch asshole assistant coach sprint onto the field, screaming at people, 15 fucking yards. Like, everything was just clown car train wreck and still they led 17 14 at halftime and i'm like okay maybe the talent will just rise and get me home nope fuck you we're but not even going to try think they're the more talented team i mean it was i still think on paper they're as talented as anybody tyler van dyke got fucking killed like just everything went wrong and they're still a final possession away from a miracle cover on the four i just that was a brutal game for me but i want you to talk about your tar heels because you're undefeated 10th mm-hmm. in the country yep got a shot at the acc got a there's shot at the, the playoff there's your path i mean the path is certainly there for unc right now and I'll say, I I know Miami put up 31 points on the board in this game, but this UNC defense has overachieved this year. Like, if USC had the defense, had their defense overachieving at the magnitude that UNC's defense is overachieving right now, USC would still be in the playoff conversation, and we would be talking about them very differently right now. Because UNC defensively, like you look at some of the performances they've put up so far this season, 17 against South Carolina, 34 against App State. That game's always fucking weird, though, every yeah. year. So yeah. much so that Mac Brown, I think, has put the kibosh on it. Um, well, they should never go to Boone again. They that, survived yeah. by the skin of their teeth mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. Your athletic director sending you as a Power 5 program to fucking Boone, they hate you. Well, but... Bubba Cunningham is the man of the people. I guess. So, but he's not the man of Mac Brown because you can't send your team to fucking Boone. 13 against Minnesota, 24 on the road against Pitt, 7 against Syracuse, and then 31 against Miami in a, a game where Miami scored 14 of their 31 in the fourth quarter. So, like, I think that this defense has really come to play. You look at the, the schedule the rest of the way, too. Where's the, the loss? If there's one thing I know about North Carolina, there will be an inexplicable, horrible loss somewhere in the rest of this schedule. It would be at... Duke, right? No, I, I think that this team is much better than Duke. Much better. Like, what? Better quarterback, better skill players. What is it? Georgia Tech and Georgia- then... Georgia Tech on the road, and then Campbell. You're not slipping up against Campbell. Uh, it might and be they at got Clemson. Virginia this week. Yeah, they're 23 and a half point favorites. We also talk a little college basketball from time to time. North Carolina undefeated top 10 against one loss top 15 Duke with Riley Leonard. What is the energy level going to be like for UNC Duke football at that level? Yeah. I mean, that'd be a lot of fun. There, there might be more energy in that game than there would be at Cameron or at the Dean Dome. They're going to have Obama in the stands. I mean, like, <laughs> this, that is – I, I never thought we'd get to a point where UNC-Duke would be an incredible football rivalry. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this is the year, though, because you've got quarterbacks on both sides. You've got coaches that both fan bases love. Like, this would be the year to do it because guess what? Next year, poof, it's gone. That's, a, that's when we should cert- – should we go to that game? That's something we... What Should day, we go to that game? What day is that? That is uh, 11-11. Make a wish. I'm going to be in Columbus. Can I tell you, I'm going to the horseshoe 
for, to watch your team for just Michigan get absolutely State, rocked? For Michigan State, Ohio State, I'm going to the horseshoe. Has there ever been a bigger display of masochism? <laughs> I you, really, as, you really fucked this one, didn't you? I might as well get on national television, strap myself to a car battery, and turn it on. What the fuck am I doing? Going to Columbus to watch the Harlem Barnett group of rejects get fucking murdered. What would you... So, if you were given the chance here, all right? What, what, what if we could find our way down to Carolina? Would you sell do, the ticket? My dad is flying to Columbus. I'm going to the game with my dad. He's already Come got on, tickets bring, booked. He's bring flying your dad to down. Columbus. Bring your dad down. Come on. Bring, he'd go to his second Duke football game of the year. Is it at Duke? <laughs> no, it's not, but second game featuring the Duke Blue Devils of the year. I'll have to think on it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think I'm set on Columbus, but the idea of Duke North Carolina football stood you know, out th- to me as an opportunity. This possibility never even crossed my mind. And now you've planted it there, and now I kind of want to do it. You should go. I, I might we, I might find we, a way. We I've will got so do, many friends in the Carolina area. I could find a way. We will do the on-the-road correspondence edition of <laughs> Chicago's College Tailgate. You'll be in <laughs> Chapel Hill. I'll be in Columbus. It'll be like uh, uh, where in the world is Matt Lauer, Chicago's Tailgate edition. Yeah. Canceled, by the way, Matt Lauer. <laughs> Just want to be clear, not mm-hmm. an endorsement of Matt Lauer. Um. Boy, that would be some show, wouldn't it be? That would be the most disjointed show of all time, I think. I don't know. Zetterman would murder us. <laughs> I think he would. We would be allowed. We would be allowed to do this. We'd be. We'd be on remote that day. There would be a, an intentional remote scheduled for that day. <laughs> Cancel your trips, boys. <laughs> yeah, you're staying domestic for this one. All right. Um, anything else you want to get to before we get out of here? I'm all set. I think we've wrapped most of it up. Penn State, Ohio State this weekend. Finally, a good mm-hmm. game in the Big Ten. I'm excited. Uh, it was a big fucking bizarre weekend in football all over the board college and pro i weird i hope it never happens again weird week. full moon friday the 13th whatever the hell it was never do that again college or pro except washington oregon do yeah. that every fucking week yes Let's cancel the pac-12 schedule just have those two play each other that's a big 10 game next year <laughs> you know, how, how out of character is that this year i'm doing michigan state columbus and, and for ohio state because I've wanted to kick Ohio State off the list. I want mm. I want to yeah, go to yeah, the yeah. shoe, knock it, and I, I'll go once. Better now when I won't get murdered on my way out of the stadium because I'll my team will get murdered. Mm-hmm. Then, like if I were, you'll at the, get the sympathy. Like, oh, it, that's yeah. a Sparty guy. If I were at the Tyler O'Connor game in 2015 when Urban Meyer forgot that uh, Ezekiel Elliott was on the team, and they lost to a backup at home in the shoe, I would leave the shoe and I would get fucking killed. You'd get a horseshoe up your own ass there. I would like maybe lose my life. This one, I'll just get the like pity pat on the head. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I'll take my welts at Ohio State and have a good time. Next, If if Michigan State somehow pulls off the biggest upset we've seen of the season, how insufferable are you on the walk out of the stadium? I will keep it to myself until I'm a safe distance from... You don't... No, 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 no. You don't have that level of self-discipline. No, dude. I've heard from people that have gone to Ohio State games for hostile, like, rivalry, things like this, and I've been told by all of them, it's fucking brutal. 
Like the, these are not nice people. These are heathens. I had one of my friends told me he went to Columbus for a Michigan State Ohio State game. Michigan State won the game. Might have been the Tyler O'Connor game. He said he had a fucking kid turn around, flip him off, grab his phone, and throw it on the ground, crack the screen. A fucking kid. Wow. How old? Twelve, thirteen. Twelve. Okay. Like a fucking kid. Like, I have no illusions that I'm going to a place where if Michigan State pulls off some grand upset and ends their season, I'm going to be allowed to walk out of there with smarm. I'm going to be very careful until I'm a safe distance from people who could hurt me. And then I'll go nuts. That's the plan. But (laughs) But what's the fun in that? What's the fun in that? I don't want to celebrate with people who are unhinged and could hurt me. I don't want to get into a fight. I don't need to be checking into a drunk tank in fucking Dublin, Ohio. I just... I want to go, I want to commit this incident of masochism, and I want to go home and be safe. That's Boy. that's what I want to do. The point is, I'm doing that this year. Next year, I think I'm going to make the Big Ten trip, Michigan State at Oregon, Ooh. and go to Hudson. All right. That's what I think next year is going to be. Eugene, it seems awesome. Yeah. My cousin went there, said she loved it. It's great. Football stadium, amazing. That's what Bevan says. Bevan says it's oh. underrated. It's the best. I, I don't take uh, any of his Oregon opinions seriously. But it's always, like, if you look at the top ten list, best college football yeah. environments, it's mm-hmm. always on the list. There, Ole Miss. Also, th- this was a little side note I, I have for uh, that Washington-Oregon game. What is it about Seattle where it's just the loudest place on fucking earth? Like, I don't know. The, like, Seattle's Seahawks games are, are causing many earthquakes. If you told me there was one in that Washington game, I mean— we we were we were texting during the game. It got to a point where the game audio was cutting out because yeah. it was too loud. Yeah, that and, was crazy. And uh, like, what is it about Seattle? Like, is there something with? The, is it sound echoing off of the Puget Sound? It could it be that? Is that it? I don't know. I, like, that, is it just rabid fans in Seattle? Like, part what of is it, it with the acoustics in Seattle? That's that, another one. If I got to figure, look at the schedule because okay, so Michigan State doesn't play Washington next year, but if they play in two years and it's at Washington, they may take a break. They, didn't they play twice? Haven't they played back to back years now? They did, yeah, in, in non conference. But sailgating, yes, I heard you talking about that this morning on when, Captain Jay Hood. When Michigan State goes to Seattle, I will go so I can sailgate. That'd be awesome. Uh, that 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 may be a trip I'll join you on because my brother lives out there and we'll he might have a boat by then too. Next so. year I also want to do uh, this is an easier trip for me. I can stay with my parents. I want to go to Texas, Michigan at the Big House and mm. I'll wear an Arch Manning jersey. <laughs> You're That'll amazing. be all for You're college amazing. football tailgates. <laughs> all right, that's gonna do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Again, subscribe to the show if you're not already. We're with you usually every Monday today, coming to you on a Tuesday. And don't forget to join us at Fatties in DeKalb this coming Saturday. Cannot wait for that live show. Our first out-and-about remote show for Chicago's College Tailgate this season. So join us 9 to 11 at Fatties in DeKalb. We will talk to you all on Saturday. This uh, podcast brought to you by Twin Peaks. We'll talk to you at Fatties in DeKalb on Saturday.